Okay, I'm going to begin now, guys. Is everybody here? Come for story. Chapter 25. The Glittering Cloud. Now the wheat was almost ready to cut. Every day, Pa looked at it. Every night, he talked about it and showed Laura some long, stiff wheat heads. The plump grains were getting harder in their little husks. Pa said the weather was perfect for ripening wheat. If this keeps up, he said, we'll start harvesting next week. The weather was very hot. The thin, high sky was too hot to look at. Air rose up in waves from the whole prairie, as it does from a hot stove. In the schoolhouse, the children panted like lizards, and sticky pine juice dripped down the board walls. Saturday morning, Lara went walking with Pa to look at the wheat. It was almost as tall as Pa. He lifted her onto his shoulder so that she could see over the heavy bending tops. The field was greeny gold. At the dinner table, Pa told Ma about it. he never seen such a crop. There were 40 bushels to an acre, and wheat was a dollar a bushel. They were rich now. This was a wonderful country. Now they could have anything they wanted. Laura listened and thought, now Pa would get his boots. She sat facing the open door and the sunshine streaming towards it, through it. Something seemed to dim the sunshine. Laura rubbed her eyes and looked again. The sunshine really was dim. It grew dimmer until there was no sunshine. I do believe a storm is coming up, said Ma. There must be a cloud over the sun. Pa got up quickly and went, out the and went to the door. A storm might hurt the wheat. He looked out. Then he went out. The light was queer. It was not like the changed light before a storm. The air did not press down as it did before a storm. Laura was frightened. She did not know why. She ran outdoors where Pa stood looking up at the sky. Ma and Mary came out too. And Pa asked, What do you make of that, Caroline? The cloud was over the sun. It was not like any cloud they had ever seen before. It was a cloud of something like snowflakes, but they were larger than snowflakes and thin and glittering. Light shone through each flickering particle. There was no wind. The grasses were still and the hot air did not stir, but the edge of the cloud came on across the sky faster than the wind. The hair stood up on Jack's neck all at once, he made a frightful sound up at that cloud, a growl and a whine. Plunk, something hit Laura's head and fell to the ground. She looked down and saw the largest grasshopper she had ever seen. Then huge brown grasshoppers were hitting the ground all around her, hitting her head and her face and her arms. They came thudding down like hail. The cloud was hailing grasshoppers. The cloud was grasshoppers. Their bodies hid the sun and made darkness. Their thin, large wings gleamed and glittered. The rasping whirrings of their wings filled the whole air. They hit the ground and the house with the noise of a hailstorm. Lara tried to beat them off. Their claws clung to her skin and her dress. They looked at her with bulging eyes, turning their heads this way and that. Mary ran screaming into the house. Grasshoppers covered the ground. 
There was not one bare bit to step on. Laura had to step on grasshoppers, and they smashed, squirming and slimy under her feet. Ma was slamming the windows shut all around the house. Pa came and stood just inside the front door, looking out. Laura and Jack stood close beside him. Grasshoppers beat down from the sky and swarmed thick over the ground. Their long wings were folded, and their strong legs took them hopping everywhere. The air whirred, and the roof went on sounding like a roof in a hailstorm. Then Laura heard another sound. One big sound, made of tiny nips and snips and gnawings. The wheat, Pa shouted. He dashed to the back door and ran toward the wheat field. The grasshoppers were eating. You could not hear one grasshopper eat unless you listened very carefully while you had him, while you held him and fed him grass. Millions and millions of grasshoppers were eating now. You could hear the millions of jaws biting and chewing. Pa came running back to the stable. Through the windows, Lara saw him hitching Sam and David to the wagon. He began pitching old, dirty hay from the manure pile into the wagon as fast as he could. Ma ran out, took another pitchfork, and helped him. Then he drove away the wheat field, away to the wheat field, and Ma followed the wagon. Pa drove around the field, throwing out little piles of stuff as he went. Ma stooped over one, and a thread of smoke arose from it. Ma lighted pile after pile. Laura watched till a smudge of smoke hid the field, and Pa and Ma and the wagon. Grasshoppers were still falling from the sky. The light was still dim because grasshoppers covered the sun. Ma came back to the house, and in the closed lean-to, she took off her dress and her petticoats and killed the grasshoppers that she shook out of them. She had lighted fires all around the wheat field. Perhaps smoke would keep the grasshoppers from eating the wheat. Ma and Mary and Laura were quiet in the shut, smothery house. Carrie was so little that she cried, even in Ma's arms. She cried herself to sleep. Through the walls came the sound of grasshoppers eating. Darkness went away. The sun shone again. All over the ground was a crawling, hopping mass of grasshoppers. They were eating all the soft, short grass off the knoll. The tall prairie grasses swayed and bent and fell. Oh, look, Lara said, low at the window. They were eating the willow tops. The willow's leaves were thin, and bare twigs stuck out. Then whole branches were bare and knobby with masses of grasshoppers. I don't want to look anymore, Mary said, and she went away from the window. Lara did not want to look anymore either, but she could not stop looking. The hens were funny. The two hens and their gawky pullets were eating grasshoppers with all their might. They were used to stretching their necks out low and running fast after grasshoppers and not catching them. Every time they stretched out now, they got a grasshopper right then. They were surprised. They kept stretching out all their necks and trying to run in all directions at once. Well, we won't have to buy feed for the hens, said Mom. There's no great loss without some gain. The green garden rows were wilting down. The potatoes, the carrots, the beets, and beans were being eaten away. The long leaves were eaten off the corn stalks and the tassels, and the ears of young corn and their green husks fell covered with grasshoppers. There was nothing anybody could do about it. 
Smoke still hid the wheat field. Sometimes Lara saw Pa moving dimly in it. He stirred up the smoldering fires and thick smoke hid him again. When it was time to go for Spot, Lara put up, put on stockings and shoes and a shawl. Spot was standing in the old ford of Plum Creek, shaking her skin and twitching her tail. The herd went mournfully, lowing, beyond the old dugout. Laura was sure that cattle could not eat grass so full of grasshoppers. If the grasshoppers ate all the grass, the cattle would starve. Grasshoppers were thick under her petticoats and on her dress and shawl. She kept striking them off her face and hands. Her shoes and Spot's feet crunched grasshoppers. Ma came out in a shawl to do the milking. Laura helped her. They could not keep the grasshoppers out of the milk. Ma had brought a cloth to cover the pail, but they could not keep it covered while they milked into it. Ma skimmed out the grasshoppers with a tin cup. Grasshoppers went into the house with them. Their clothes were full of grasshoppers. Some jumped into the hot stove where Mary was starting supper. Ma covered the food till they had chased and smashed every grasshopper. She swept them up and shoveled them into the stove. Pa came into the house long enough to eat supper while Sam and David were eating theirs. Ma did not ask him what was happening to the wheat. She only smiled and said, Don't worry, Charles. We've always got along. Pa's throat rasped, and Ma said, Have another cup of tea, Charles. It'll help get the smoke out of your throat. When Pa had drunk the tea, he went back to the wheat field with another load of old hay and manure. In bed, Laura and Mary could still hear the whirring and snipping and chewing. Laura felt claws crawling on her. There were no grasshoppers in bed, but she could not. There were no grasshoppers in bed, but she could not brush the feeling off her arms and cheeks. In the dark, she saw grasshoppers bulging eyes and felt their claws crawling until she went to sleep. Pa was not downstairs the next morning. All night he had been working to keep the smoke over the wheat, and he did not come to breakfast. He was still working. The whole prairie was changed. The grasses did not wave. They had fallen in ridges. The rising sun made all the prairie rough with shadows where tall grasses had sunk against each other. The willow trees were bare. In the plum thickets, only a few plumpets hung to the leafless branches. The nipping, clicking, gnawing sound of grasshoppers eating was still going on. At noon, Pa came driving the wagon out of the smoke. He put Sam and David into the stable and slowly came into the house. His face was black with smoke and his eyeballs were red. He hung his hat on the nail behind the door and sat down at the table. It's no use, Caroline he said. Smoke won't stop them. They keep dropping down through it and hopping in from all sides. The wheat is falling now. They're cutting it off like a skiff and eating it, straw and all. He put his elbows on the table and hid his face with his hands. Laura and Mary sat still. Only Carrie on her high stool rattled her spoon and reached her little hand towards the bread. She was too young to understand. 
Never mind, Charles, Ma said. We've been through hard times before. Laura looked down at Pa's patched boots under the table, and her throat swelled and ached. Pa could not have new boots now. Pa's hands came down from his face, and he picked up his knife and fork. His beard smiled, but his eyes would not twinkle. They were dull and dim. Don't worry, Caroline, he said. We did all we could, and we'll pull through somehow. Then Laura remembered that the new house was not paid for. Pa had said that he would pay for it when he harvested the wheat. It was a quiet meal, and when it was over, Pa lay down on the floor and went to sleep. Ma slipped a pillow under his head and laid her finger on her lips to tell Laura and Mary to be still. They took Carrie into the bedroom and kept her quiet with their paper dolls. The only sound was the sound of grasshoppers eating. Day after day, the grasshoppers kept on eating. They ate all the wheat and the oats. They ate every green thing, all the garden, and all the prairie grass. Oh, Pa, what will the rabbits do? Laura asked. And the poor birds. Look around you, Laura, Pa said. The rabbits had all gone away. The little birds of the grass tops were gone. The birds that were left were eating grasshoppers, and prairie hens ran with outstretched necks gobbling grasshoppers. When Sunday came, Pa and Laura and Mary walked to Sunday school. The sun shone so bright and hot that Ma said she would stay at home with Carrie, and Pa left Sam and David in the shady stable. There had been no rain for so long that Laura walked across Plum Creek on dry stones. The whole prairie was bare and brown. Millions of brown grasshoppers whirred low over it. Not a green thing was in sight anywhere. All the way, Laura and Mary brushed off grasshoppers. When they came to the church, brown grasshoppers were thick on their petticoats. They lifted their skirts and brushed them off before they went in. But careful as they were, the grasshoppers had spit tobacco juice on their best Sunday dresses. Nothing would take out the stains. They would have to wear their best dresses with the brown spots on them. Many people in town were going back east. Christy and Cassie had to go. Laura said goodbye to Christy, and Mary said goodbye to Cassie, their best friends. They did not go to school anymore. They must save their shoes for winter, and they could not bear to walk barefooted on grasshoppers. School would be ended soon anyway, and Ma said she would teach them through the winter so they would not be behind their classes when school opened again next spring. Pa worked for Mr. Nelson and earned the use of Mr. Nelson's plow. He began to plow the bare wheat field to make it ready for next year's wheat crop. Read the next chapter. Read the next chapter. Read the next chapter. Read the next chapter. Chapter 26. Grasshopper eggs. What? Grasshopper eggs. One day, Laura and Jack wandered down to the creek. Mary liked to sit and read and work sums on the slate, but Laura grew tired of that. Outdoors was so miserable that she did not much like to play either. Plum Creek was almost dry. Only a little water seeped through the pebbly sand. 
The bare willow did not shade the footbridge now. Under the leafless plum thicket, the water was scummy. The old crab had gone away. The dry earth was hot. The sunshine was scorching. And the sky was a brassy color. The whirring of grasshoppers sounded like heat. There were no good smells anymore. Then Laura saw a clear thing. All over the knoll, grasshoppers were sitting still with their tails down on the ground. They did not stir, even when Laura poked them. She poked one away from a hole in which it was sitting. And with the stick, she dug out of the hole a gray thing. It was shaped like a fat worm, but it was not alive. She did not know what it was. Jack snuffed at it and wondered too. Laura started towards the wheat field to ask Pa about it, but Pa was not plowing. Sam and David were standing still with the plow, and Pa was walking on the unplowed ground, looking at it. Then Laura saw him go to the plow and lift it out of the furrow. He went driving Sam and David towards the stable with the idle plow. Laura knew that only something dreadful would make Pa stop work in the middle of the morning. She went as fast as she could to the stable. Sam and David were in their stalls, and Pa was hanging up their sweaty harness. He came out, and he did not smile at Laura. She tagged slowly after him into the house. Ma looked up at him and said, Charles, what is the matter now? The grasshoppers are laying their eggs, said Pa. The ground is honeycombed with them. Look at the dooryard. You'll see pits where the eggs are buried a couple of inches deep. All over the wheat field, everywhere. You can't put your finger down between them. Look here. He took one of those gray things from his pocket and held it out on his hand. That's one of them. A pod of grasshopper eggs. I've been cutting them open. There's 35 or 40 eggs in every pod. There's a pod in every hole. There's eight or 10 holes to the square foot all over this whole country. Ma dropped down in a chair and let her hands fall helpless at her sides. We've got no more chance of making a crop next year than we have a fly, said Pa. When those eggs hatch, there won't be a green thing left in this part of the world. Oh, Charles, Ma said, what will we do? Pa slumped down on a bench and said, I don't know. Mary's braids swung over the edge of the ladder hole and her face looked down between them. She looked anxiously at Laura, and Laura looked up at her. Then Mary backed down the ladder without a sound. She stood close beside Laura, backed against the wall. Pa straightened up. His dim eyes brightened with a fierce light, not like the twinkle Laura had always seen in them. But I do know this, Caroline, he said. No pesky mess of grasshoppers can beat us. We'll do something. You'll see. We'll get along somehow. Yes, Charles, said Ma. Why not, said Pa. We're healthy. We've got a roof over our heads. We're better off than lots of folks. You get an early dinner, Caroline. I'm going to town. I'll find something to do. Don't you worry. While he was gone to town, Ma and Mary and Laura planned a fine supper for him. Ma scalded a pan of sour milk and made pretty white balls of cottage cheese. Mary and Laura sliced cold boiled potatoes 
and Ma made a sauce for them. There were bread and butter and milk besides. Then they washed and combed their hair. They put on their best dresses and their hair ribbons. They put Carrie's white dress on her and brushed her hair and tied the string of Indian beads around her neck. They were all waiting when Pa came up the grasshoppery knoll. That was a merry supper. When they'd eaten every bit of it, Pa pushed back his plate and said, Well, Caroline? Yes, Charles, Ma said. Here's the way out, said Pa. I'm going east tomorrow morning. Oh, Charles. No, Ma cried out. It's all right, Laura, Pa said. He meant, don't cry. And Laura did not cry. It's harvest time back there, Pa told them. The grasshoppers went only about a hundred miles east of here. Beyond that, there's crops. It's the only chance to get a job, and all the men in the west are headed for those jobs. I've got to get there quick. If you think it's for the best, Ma said, the girls and I can get along. But, oh, Charles, it'll be such a long walk for you. Shucks, what's a couple of hundred miles, said Pa. But he glanced at his old patched boots. Laura knew he was wondering if they would last to walk so far. A couple of hundred miles don't amount to anything, he said. Then he took his fiddle out of its box. He played for a long time in the twilight while Laura and Mary sat close beside him, and Ma rocked Carrie nearby. He played Dixieland and We'll Rally Round the Flag Boys. He played All the Blue Bonnets Are Over the Border and Oh Susanna, Don't You Cry for Me. I'm going to California with a washpan on my knee. He played The Campbells Are Coming, Hooray, Hooray, and he played Life Let Us Cherish. And he put away the fiddle. He must go to bed early to get an early start in the morning. Take good care of the old fiddle, Caroline, he said. It puts heart into a man. After breakfast at dawn, Pa kissed them all and went away. His extra shirt and pair of socks were rolled in his jumper and slung on his shoulder. Just before he crossed Plum Creek, he looked back and waved. Then he went on, all the way out of sight, without turning again. Jack stood pressed close against Laura. They all stood still for a moment after Pa was gone. Then Ma said cheerfully, We'll have to take care of everything now, girls. Mary and Laura, you hurry with the cow to meet the herd. She went briskly into the house with Carrie, while Laura and Mary ran to let Spot out of the stable and drive her toward the creek. No prairie grass was left, and the hungry cattle could only wander along the, key, the creek banks, eating willow sprouts and plum brush and a little dead dry grass left from last summer. Chapter 27 Rain Everything was flat and dull when Pa was gone. Laura and Mary could not even count the days till he would come back. They could only think of him walking farther and farther away in his patched boots. Jack was a sober dog now, and his nose was turning gray. Often he looked at the empty road where Pa had gone and sighed and lay down to watch it. But he did not really hope 
that Pa would come. The dead Eaton Prairie was flat under the hot sky. Dust devils rose up and whirled across it. The faraway edge of it seemed to crawl like a snake. Ma said that was caused by the, wave, by the heat waves of the air. The only shade was in the house. There were no leaves on the willow or the plum thickets. Plum Creek was dried up. There was only a little water in its pools. The well was dry, and the old spring by the dugout was only a drip. Ma set a pail under it to fill during the night. In the morning, she brought it to the house and left another pail to fill during the day. When the morning work was done, Ma and Mary and Laura and Carrie sat in the house. The scorching winds whizzed by and the hungry cattle never stopped lowing. Spot was thin. Her hip joints stuck up sharp. All her ribs showed and there were hollows round her eyes. All day she went mooing and the other cattle looking for something to eat. They had eaten all the little bushes along the creek and gnawed the willow branches as high as they could reach. Spot's milk was bitter and every day she gave less of it. Sam and David stood in the stable. They could not have all the hay they wanted because the haystacks must last until next spring. When Laura led them down to the dry creek bed to the old swimming hole, they curled their noses at the warm, scummy water, but they had to drink it. Cows and horses had to bear things too. Saturday evening, Laura went to the Nelsons to see if a letter had come from Pa. She went along the little path beyond the footbridge. It did not go wandering forever through pleasant places. It went to Mr. Nelson's. Mr. Nelson's house was long and low, and its board walls were whitewashed. His long, low, sod stable had a thick roof made of hay. They did not look like Pa's house and Pa's stable. They cuddled to the ground under a slope of the prairie, and they looked as if they spoke Norwegian. <coughs> the house was shining clean inside. The big beds were plumped high with feathers, and the pillows were fat and high. On the wall hung a beautiful picture of a lady dressed in blue. Its frame was thick gold, and bright pink mosquito netting covered the lady and the frame to keep the flies off. There was no letter from Pa. Mr. Nelson, Mrs. Nelson said that Mr. Nelson would ask again at the post office next Saturday. Thank you, ma'am, Laura said, and she hurried along the path. Then she walked slowly across the footbridge and more and more slowly up the knoll. Ma said, never mind, girls, there will be a letter next Saturday. But next Saturday, there was no letter. They did not go to Sunday school anymore. Carrie could not walk so far, and she was too heavy for Ma to carry. Laura and Mary must save their shoes. If they, they could go to Sunday school barefooted, if they wore out their shoes, they would have, and if they wore out their shoes, they would have no shoes next winter. So on Sundays, they put on their best dresses, but not their shoes or ribbons. Mary and Laura said their Bible verses to Ma, and she read to them from the Bible. One Sunday, she read to them about the plague of locusts long ago in Bible times. Locusts were grasshoppers. Ma read, And the locusts went up over the land of Egypt, 
and rested in all the coasts of Egypt. Very grievous were they, for they covered the face of the whole earth, so that the land was darkened. And they did eat every herb of the land, and all the fruits of the trees which the hail had left. And there remained not any green thing on the trees or in the herbs of the field, though all through all the land of Egypt. Lara knew how true that was. When she repeated those verses, she thought, through all the land of Minnesota. Then Ma read the promise that God made to good people to bring them out of that land to a good land and a large and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Oh, where is that, Ma? Mary asked. And Laura asked, how could a land flow with milk and honey? She did not want to walk in milky, sticky honey. Ma rested her big Bible on her knees and thought. Then she said, Well, your pa thinks it will be right here in Minnesota. How could it be? Laura asked. Maybe it will be, if we stick it out, said Ma. Well, Laura, if good milch cows were eating grass all over this land, they would give a great deal of milk, and then the land would be flowing with milk. Bees would get honey out of all the wild flowers that grow out of the land, and then the land would be flowing with honey. Oh, said Laura, I'm glad we wouldn't have to walk in it. Carrie, <laughs> Carrie beat the Bible with her little fists and cried, I'm hot, I'm pricky. Ma picked her up, but she pushed at Ma and whimpered, You're hot. Poor little Carrie's skin was red with heat rash. Laura and Mary were sweltering inside their under, underwaists and drawers and petticoat waists and petticoats and long-sleeved high-neck dresses with tight waistbands around their middle. The backs of their necks were smothering under their braids. Carrie wanted a drink, but she pushed the cup away and made a face and said, Nasty! You better drink it, Mary told her. I want a cold drink too, but there isn't any. I wish I had a drink of well water, said Laura. I wish I had an icicle, said Mary. Then Laura said, I wish I was an Indian and didn't have to wear clothes. Laura, said Ma, and on Sunday. Laura thought, well, I do. The wood smell of the house was a hot smell. On all the brown streaks in the boards, the juice was dripping down sticky and drying in hard yellow beads. The hot wind never stopped whizzing by and the cattle never stopped mourning. Moo, moo. Jack turned on his side and groaned a long sigh. Ma sighed too and said, seems to me I'd give almost anything for a breath of air. At that very moment, a breath of air came into the house. Carrie stopped whimpering. Jack lifted up his head. Ma said, girls, did you? And then another cool breath came. Ma went through the lean-to to the shady end of the house. Laura scampered after her, and Mary came, leading Carrie. Outdoors was like a baking oven. The hot air came scorching against Laura's face. In the northwest sky, there was a cloud. It was, a, it was small in the enormous brassy sky, but it was a cloud and it made a streak of shade on the prairie. The shadows seemed to move 
but perhaps that was only the heat waves. No, it really was coming nearer. Oh, please, 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 Laura kept saying, silently with all her might. They all stood shading their eyes, looking at that cloud and its shadow. The cloud kept coming nearer. It grew larger. It was a thick, dark streak in the air above the prairie. Its edge rolled and swelled in big puffs. Now the gusts of cool air came, mixed with gusts hotter than ever. All over the prairie, dust devils rose up wild and wicked, whirling their dust arms. The sun still burned on the house and the stable and the cracked pitted earth. The shadow of the cloud was far away. Suddenly a, white, a fire-white streak zigzagged and a gray curtain fell from the cloud and hung there, hiding the sky behind it. That was rain. Then a growl of thunder came. It's too far away, girls, Ma said. I'm afraid it won't get to us. But anyway, the air is cooler. The smell of rain came on streaks of coolness through the hot wind. Oh, maybe it will get to us, Ma. Maybe it will, Lars said. Inside themselves, they were all saying, please, please, please. The wind blew cooler. Slowly, slowly, the cloud shadow grew larger. Now the cloud, cloud spread wide in the sky. Suddenly, a shadow rushed across the flat land and up the knoll, and fast after it, came the marching rain. It came up the knoll like millions of tiny trampling feet and rain poured down on the house and on Mary and Ma and Lara and Carrie. Get in quick, Ma exclaimed. The lean-to was noisy with rain on its roof. Cool air blew through it into the smothery house. Ma opened the front door. She fastened back the curtains and opened every window. The sick smell steamed up from the ground. A sick smell steamed up from the ground, but the rain poured down and washed it away. Rain drummed on the roof. Rain poured from the eaves. Rain washed the air and made it good to breathe. Sweet air rushed through the house. It lifted the heaviness out of Lara's head and made her skin feel good. Streams of muddy water ran swiftly over the hard ground. They poured into its cracks and filled them up. They dimpled and swirled over the pits where the grasshopper's eggs were and left smooth mud there. Overhead, the lightning flickered sharp and thunder crashed. Carrie clapped her hands and shouted. Mary and Laura danced and laughed. Jack wiggled and scampered like a puppy. He looked out at the rain from every window, and when the thunder banged and crashed, he growled at it. Who's afraid of you? I do believe it is going to last till sunset, Ma said. Just before sunset, the rain went away. Down across Plum Creek and away across the prairie to the east it went, leaving only a few sparkling drops falling in the sunshine. Then the cloud turned purple and red and curled gold edges against the clear sky. The sun sank and the stars came out the air was cool, and the earth was damp and grateful. The only thing that Lara wished was that Pa could be there. Next day, the sun rose burning hot. The sky was brassy, 
and the winds were scorching. And before night, tiny, thin spears of grass were pricking up from the ground. In a few days, there was a green streak across the brown prairie. Grass came up where the rain had fallen, and the hungry cattle grazed there. Every morning, Laura put Sam and David on picket lines so they could eat the good grass, too. The cattle stopped bawling. Spot's bones did not show anymore. She gave more milk, and it was sweet, good milk. The knoll was green again, and the willows and the plums were putting out tiny leaves. Chapter, read the next chapter, read the next chapter, read the next chapter. Chapter 28, The Letter. All day long, Laura missed Pa, and at night when the wind blew lonesomely over the dark land, she felt hollow and aching. At first, she talked about him. She wondered how far he had walked that day. She hoped his old patched boots were lasting. She wondered where he was camping that night. Later, she did not speak about him to Ma. Ma was thinking about him all the time, and she did not like to talk about it. She did not like even to count the days till Saturday. The time will go faster, she said, if we think of other things. All day Saturday, they hoped that Mr. Nelson was finding a letter from Pa at the post office in town. Laura and Jack went far along the prairie road to wait for Mr. Nelson's wagon. The grasshoppers had eaten everything, and now they were going away, not in one big cloud as they had come, but in little short flying clouds. Still millions of grasshoppers were left. There was no letter from Pa. Never mind, Ma said, when will come? Once when Laura was slowly coming up the knoll without a letter, she thought, suppose no letter ever comes. She tried not to think that again, but she did. One day she looked at Mary and knew that Mary was thinking it too. That night, Laura could not bear it any longer. She asked Ma, Pa will come home, won't he? Of course Pa will come home, Ma exclaimed. Then Laura and Mary knew that Ma too was afraid that something had happened to Pa. Perhaps his boots had fallen to pieces and he was limping barefooted. Perhaps the cattle had hurt him. Perhaps a train had hit him. He had not taken his gun. Perhaps wolves had got him. Maybe in dark woods at night, a panther had leapt on him from a tree. The next Saturday afternoon, when Laura and Jack were starting to meet Mr. Nelson, she saw him coming across the footbridge. Something white was in his hand. Laura flew down the knoll, the white thing was a letter. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Laura said. She ran to the house so fast that she could not breathe. Ma was washing Carrie's face. She took the letter in her shaking wet hands and sat down. It's from Pa, she said. Her hand shook so that she could hardly take a pair hairpin from her hair. She slit the envelope and drew out the letter. She unfolded it and there was a piece of paper money. Pa's all right, Ma said. She snatched her apron up in her face and cried. Her wet face came out of the apron, shining with joy. She kept wiping her eyes while she read the letter to Mary and Laura. 
Pa had had to walk 300 miles before he found a job. Now he was working in the wheat fields and getting a dollar a day. He sent Ma five dollars and kept three for new boots. Crops were good where he was, and if Ma and the girls were making out all right, he would stay there as long as the work lasted. They missed him and wanted him to come home, but he was safe, and already he had new boots. They were very happy that day.